Hello, hello. I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com. I was on the wrong page. And up there is the AI. Hopefully the visualizer is working today. Let's see. Good evening, hometown citizens. Hey, it's working. Yay. So um, today's episode is season two, episode 180 for June 29th, 2023. Cat nose nose and more news. We've already got all 12 of our articles selected. Something's going on with the AI. But let's get into today's articles. I will not linger. Let's get going. Uh, Whereas I'm not going to stop. Apparently, the UPS Teamsters say a nationwide strike is imminent and they will stop. Friday, if the deadline is not met. This is over in the Mobile channel. Teamsters working for shipping giant UPS at a strike is imminent after walking away from the bargaining table on Wednesday. So this happened last night. Today, I haven't heard anything changing that situation. UPS Teamster said in a statement late Wednesday that it had given up. Um, ups. Uh, given ups. A one week notice Tuesday to act responsibly and, and exchange a stronger economic proposal to more than 340,000 employees of the shipping company. The Teamsters demanded that UPS deliver its last, best, and final offer to the union by Friday, June 30th. Well, that's it tomorrow. Yeah, this is uh, kind of unsettling. If you've got anything in transit, it might not make it. At least not until the strike. Yeah. Well, everybody stopped striking. So this is over at the Hill. Lauren Seforza and Tobias Burns are the authors of this article. I'm not sure what this video is going to be about, but it doesn't appear to be anything related to the actual article. We've been covering this and another uh, article will be addressing the other issue that we've been talking about here in hometown. Um, It was interesting. I I was just in somebody else's stream listening to them talk um, about their perspective of certain things. I don't, I don't want to throw them under the bus because it isn't somebody that I actually follow so much as I was curious you know, what they ended up talking about tonight <clears throat> in light of the Supreme Court finding and da da da. Um, and uh, they basically were kind of poo pooing the idea that the reason why people are in um, financial straits or have a string of bad luck or something like that, that it's really about, and I'll use the quote that they said, looking in the mirror. And, uh, I, I was kind of astonished by that because there's not everybody uh, is born into a position where they have the ability to look into a mirror and go, I can completely change the dynamic. It's just not I mean, that, that way. That seems like an elitist attitude. Like it's just coming from a position of privilege and with no cognizance of people's circumstances. And seemingly no compassion 
to the fact that context is completely different depending on where you are. And I, I won't get into all of the minutia of this person, but let's just say that if there is something that hints at them coming from a troubled early start of their life, it is not evident. Um, so at any rate, you know, these, these people, right? UPS workers cannot just get up and go somewhere else and work, right? They're at their, they are at their limit where they have to choose. I'm going to strike and use the leverage of an organization that is determined to facilitate a better outcome than if I could, uh, that than that I could ever on my own. Because singly, I have no bargaining power against a mega corporation. Yet this other streamer is sitting there saying, no, 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 no. It's all about you. Dude, you have no clue how difficult it is to change the direction of your life when you are penned in and you lack opportunity or equity or inclusion or you're not connected or you're not, you know, the stereotypical, and I have to say it that way, right? The stereotypical bucket that affords you greater opportunity simply because you exist. Eh. Well, the reason why I even get on that little soapbox here for this is 340,000 people are going to go on strike because they feel that they're not getting a good enough deal in their employment and they could never have gotten any leverage should they have tried to go out on their own. Um, so, uh, uh, welcome to the show, Tall. Um, Tall says, uh, or you are in a Teamsters union that has great benefits after the long haul of a career. Um, yeah, so this, the UPS strike is just one little segment now. It's 340,000 people, so a large segment, but there's a, a shift that's taking place. And we're going to talk more about it as we go um, over to the other um, articles. But um, like I myself have never been in a union. And I think that unions have a role to play where systemic abuse in an industry is taking place writers union for instance there's a person that's paying themselves 250 million dollars a year yet there's somebody that is forced to only make 25,000 even though it's their work that is allowing somebody to make 250 million on their backs it's wild so um this is just one segment of it and i think that the power of the union is starting to uh, show itself again we've been here before <laughs> um businesses got super powerful again and unions had to react again so we have learned the worst possible lessons and instead of everybody scaling at the same time, you have income disparity between the haves and the ones that make it possible for the haves to have. It's so disrespectful of 
society's uh, dynamic, the gamut of people. Um, I'm always astonished. And, um, but I know that a union has its place. Not every field requires a union, but when, when the field starts getting systemically abused by those in power, a union needs to form because nobody has any bargaining power. And that's basically the nuts and bolts of my rant. So 340,000 people, just the UPS side of things. Tulsa, it's a, that's where a lot of these companies really get the high man on the totem pole. We will give you really good benefits if you work for us for 20 years and even better ones after 30. I think they can take uh, that argument back to the building blocks. Few of us would be anywhere near where we are without a teacher or a coach or primary school teaching us the basics or mentoring us or believing in us. Um, but they are the ones with the lowest pay professional career sectors. Yeah. Yep. Um, although I've had people uh, say to me, because I say that too, Toll, we're on the same page about that. And um, when I've said that to people, they say, well, it isn't you that's doing the work. And <laughs> I have to re respond with, you wouldn't know what you know if it weren't for educators telling you what you don't know. You'd be off on some blind path um, trying to figure out something going on. But the phrase, we stand on the shoulders of giants, those giants are all of the people that have taught and learned and then taught again. And, and that is really where we should be focusing a whole lot of uh, finances so that we make all of the citizenry who goes through academia smarter, stronger, ho holistic, more capable as a citizen and not being treated as just cattle. Yeah, our priorities are all wrong. I mean, we don't incentivize that. It's just, it's really astounding. Yeah. So, hey, uh, let me throw this article over into the chat. Um, and you can follow that if you are also motivated. Uh, let's go on to the next article. Um, and I think the AI is having a bit of an issue, so they'll be back once their service restarts. Um, that said, the next article is over on the Mobile channel. And... Uh, scientists glimpse background hum of space-time in major breakthrough. This is pretty interesting, but uh, even with this, we have been here before. Um, a few years ago, actually, probably now, about 15 years ago, scientists had been listening for the background hum of uh, space-time, and they found waves, and they found evidence thereof. Um, and uh, they went to somebody's door and congratulated them. And I think something was discovered later on that invalidated the information. I, I'd have to go back and look at um, my information again. But this one says, in a major breakthrough, scientists have discovered the first hints of an entirely new class of gravitational waves from the early universe using a detector that measures the clockwork pulses of dead stars across the galaxy. This evidence of an elusive quote-unquote hum 
in the fabric of space-time will allow uh, will sorry likely offer the first direct glimpse of supermassive black holes in the early universe more than 10 billion light years from earth marking a new era of gravitational wave astronomy i'm always astonished when i hear this stuff um it is it is like somebody wakes up one day after i don't know taking too many vitamin b12 supplements or something i just don't i i it's so big brain that uh, i'm always astonished when somebody comes to the table with one of these discoveries I know, i'm like i i had the day today <laughs> that yeah, was my I, achievement i got out of bed actually late and then rushed around all day trying to catch up for the extra hour and a half that i lounged around post five o'clock well anyway becky ferreira over at vice.com put this article together quote this is the deck statement we can learn things uh, that we wouldn't be able to even know were there before in ways that we could never probe before said one scientist i don't know who that one scientist is but man they get around because all of the articles say one scientist is that their first name one i guess they were named really yeah. well last name scientist yeah. they might be the most prolific uh published researcher um told um so you said this is back at the other article about the unions um so you live a pretty dynamic life you would say huh um because you're talking about unions and not necessarily believing in them and uh, don't plan on being in the same job long enough. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, if, if you're working um, contract to contract kind of um, existence, then yeah, I can imagine. Because a union will pin you in, I suppose. I don't know how that would work if you're a, a freelancer, independent business owner. Um, I have not. Huh, I'll have to look into that. I don't know how the union works in relation to that. Well, the <laughs> union probably wouldn't find that location worth its while if it's not a large enough organization. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Tull says they discovered a low hum that is a really long dead collapsed star and they took all day to change eight tractor tires um, who really accomplished something. Yeah. And then said, uh, you should check out their sister, two scientist. So this evidence of an elusive hum in the fabric of space-time will likely offer the first direct glimpse of supermassive black holes in the early universe, more than 10 billion light years from Earth, marking a new era in gravitational wave astronomy. Um, they used uh, a device called the International Pulsar Timing Array Consortium, um, that's an organization, actually, uh, which snagged the milestone results. I uh, believe that the preliminary observations are now solid enough to share with the world as unprecedented evidence that we have tuned into a gravitational wave background that has never been explored, according to a study published in Wednesday in the Astrophysical Journal Letters. Quote, this will be the first direct detection of the supermassive black holes in the early universe, if confirmed, said Robert Ferdman, uh, who is an astrophysicist at the University of East Anglia and a co-author of the study. 
in a call with Motherboard, which is the organization little sub segment of Vice. They do, they have, it's Motherboard Tech by Vice under vice.com. They're going for concise. Yeah. Uh, maybe, I suppose it's a, a channel, kind of like Omtown has channels. Um, the Nanograv, which is part of the IPTA, will announce more details about the results in a live stream scheduled for 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday. We're well past that, so this is a link to the actual video Nanograv 15-year results. So this thing has been somebody's career for the last 15 years, I suppose, or a whole bunch of people are reading other people in over time. Um, pretty fascinating stuff. Um, LIGO or LIGO, I can't remember what it's um, how it's pronounced, but the Laser Interferometer Gravitational Wave Observatory um, is one of the tools that has been used. Other detectors like Virgo in Italy have since snagged dozens of gravitational waves made by exotic objects like black holes and neutron stars that cannot be accessed by traditional light-based astronomy. Existing detectors like LIGO are attuned to high-frequency waves created by individual catastrophic events involving stellar mass objects, which are typically... There's a joke there about like me falling downstairs and them detecting it because... I'm a stellar mass object and it's a catastrophic event anyway, which are typically no larger than a few dozen times the mass of the sun. Again, there's a joke about the neighborhood kids. I don't know who the comedian is that said that, but there's a comedian that said that kids throw apples at him and they fall into orbit around him. <laughs> I've said too much. <laughs> Let, let's go on. So I soapboxed for the beginning of the show for a while, uh, and and I'll, I'll make it up to y'all <laughs> with some of these articles. So this one is pretty niche. So if you're not impacted by it, then um, I don't know, maybe fast forward a couple of minutes um, in the VOD or in the uh, podcast. So 16 states, D.C., um, Washington, D.C., currently under poor air quality alerts. And here's when things will change. I was curious about what was going on with um, the impact on the weather and and the conditions out for this weekend. And because I wanted to be able to go outside this weekend. Well, if you are immunocompromised or you have um allergies or you have asthma or anything like that which isn't necessarily you know that deleterious it's going to be exacerbated <laughs> uh, for the duration i'm not even sure how far forward so i wanted to get this article into today's news residents in more than a dozen states they actually say 16 in the title so i don't know why they say more than a dozen um, are currently blanketed in hazy skies and poor air quality as smoke from Canadian wildfires move through the Midwest and Northeast. For many, the worsening air is expected to stick around for at least another day. Um, this is something that um, I saw in other similar pictures like this is, is something that I've seen in other sites about their particular cities all up and down 
uh, the Northeast. And um, Addie Bink over at the Hill put this article together. And uh, it basically shows downtown Pittsburgh skyline from West End Overlook in Elliott, uh, Pennsylvania. It's, that looks like the apocalypse. <laughs> it looks... Um, like a dystopian movie or something. Yeah. Like you're you're coming to land on a helipad or something in some cyberpunk dystopian future um, where you have to live underground and you just don't realize it yet because you haven't gotten close enough to the cityscape to see that it's just a burnt out husk. I mean, it looks really, really dystopian and bad. Um, Crazy Cat Lady says that there's a slight haze from the smoke. Uh, I'm not sure where here is, but I don't want to, uh, I don't want you to dox yourself. Uh, didn't notice it was hot as heck and was constantly in and out of the garage all day. Why doesn't Canada just put the fires out? They're so rude. If <laughs> Tull said that, um, I love the people that are saying things like, why doesn't Canada just put the fires out? They're so rude. <laughs> I don't know anybody, uh, but I would probably look at them like somebody blew a dog whistle. Like what? Why? Huh? <laughs> you know that they don't just snap their fingers, right? Nah. Um, that, you know what they should be doing? They should be getting people with like size 16 shoes and they can just run out there and stamp the fire out, right? There you go. New England region. Uh, is that nondescript enough? Yes. Um, interesting. So you're not seeing it as bad as this, huh? I wonder if it's being funneled in a, a unique way. It is. It's coming down from what I've seen, it's coming through the Midwest and then it's going kind of into the mid-Atlantic area. It looks like um, there are some storms ahead, which might give a bit of a reprieve. But... Yeah. And that's what happened the last time when the, the smoke from the forest fires started descending into the United States, a storm rolled through and pulled all of the particulates out um, and then, well, it coated everything on the ground, but that's okay. I'll take that over. Um, a haze that is akin to global warming. Yeah. I was looking up some information. I mean, some of the stuff has absolutely long-term effects and can have really severe effects like death. I mean, it's not <laughs> car uh, cardiac events. Right. Um, uh, there's some pretty severe things that can happen, but uh, this, um, the particles can stay with you for uh, they can have a very long-term effect is what i'm trying to say oh sure well i mean it's uh, not as bad perhaps but you could probably parallel it to smoking um yeah it wasn't yeah tulsa is uh, was driving back from a tow job and thought they were driving into a rainstorm nope just smoke and crazy cat lady said that last time it was bad and you could smell it. Yep. And that's how it was today. Um, while hometown has perfect weather all the time and, and no, uh, smoke in the air or anything like that. The moment you leave the protective realm of hometown, you're just bombarded with the reality. And, um, 
it it was really bad today but it didn't smell like a forest fire to me it smelled more like an electrical fire like chemicals and something funky in the air um and so yeah it, it was really bad <clears throat> Till says perfect weather unless mare is uh, needs to be left alone then it's a blizzard yeah i can actually do that in here hold on a second <laughs> i just go like that straight <laughs> uh, just kidding i'm back i'm not going anywhere okay uh so yeah just be careful out there and um if you are susceptible to this kind of stuff uh while a, a standard cloth mask won't be perfect protection from the particulates, it will assist in filtering some of them. Um, and anything is better than just, you know, basically, uh, what do they call that? Huffing this kind of weather, you know, you don't want to do that. So, yeah, uh, like I agree, tall, stay inside, leave the windows closed, turn on your air conditioner, replace your filter because the last time this happened your filter was clogged by all of that smoke getting pulled in and and filtered so your your filter and your air conditioner is probably charcoal right now okay let's hustle on to the next article uh, this next article is in the mobile channel um first misinformation susceptibility test finds very online gen z and millennials are most vulnerable to fake news i have uh, anecdotally i've witnessed this and it's mainly because people believe the information that they are fed particularly online and particularly on top of that if it's being fed to them from people that they trust like friends relatives etc so a uh, university of cambridge psychologists have developed the first validated misinformation susceptibility test a quick two-minute quiz that gives a solid indication of how vulnerable a person is to being duped by the kind of fabricated news that floods online spaces uh, university of cambridge is where this this is sourced from by way of fizz.org uh, university of cambridge are the ones that put this article together and um so it says the test proven to work through a series of experiments involving more than 8,000 participants taking place over two years, which is pretty amazing actually, um, has been deployed by polling organization YouGov to determine how susceptible Americans are to fake headlines. The first survey to use the new 20 point test called MIST by researchers and developed uh, using an early version of ChatGPT has found that on average adult US citizens correctly classified two thirds of headlines they were shown as either real or fake. So only 65%. Um, and now I'm really curious about this. I'll have to go down this road because this is one of the areas um, that I've been very, very interested in. Um, Toll says that they have a theory on this and I'm really curious. Go ahead and throw it in here. Um, so uh, I have done um research on um personality profiling and uh doing assessments of uh text in mass in, um monitored the information that had to do with emotional contagion um i've gone through 
school for psychology. I've done, uh, <laughs> I used to work in uh, research for virtual reality and phobia treatment and fundamental uh, research into using it for pain management. Um, all kinds of things about basically a person's mindset and how it would, how you could treat them or manipulate them. Um, and that flows all the way into business and sociology, psychology, etc. Right. So being able to be duped by a headline is something that, uh, the AI and I have been actually having a conversation about. Um, so we'll go through this, um, article a little bit. Um, but Tulsa says Gen X and baby boomers had to rely on physical verified documents to get information like encyclopedias. Uh, remember those question mark? I do. Um, then those generations observed the internet come online and already had a foundation to fall back on when fake news and trendy things come up. Millennials and Gen Z and other post millennials have no foundational knowledge prior to the internet and also and so haven't learned the baseline skills to research and question the information as it's being presented. Correct. So That's critical an interesting theory. And it sounds like it tracks with this. Yes. I would have thought it would be the other way around. Um, I'm surprised that younger generations um, couldn't determine this, but I, I didn't think of that reason for it. But it's two different ways and different different generations are um, influenced in a different way. So it's harder to shift older generations away from their preconceived notions, but it's also harder to shift people into reality um, based on the information that's being presented to them being accepted as reality. So you really have kind of a, a, a conflict of generations and information in the information age. Um, uh, we were just having a conversation about um, the flat earth society, people who believe in the, in a flat earth um, and that there's just countless decades of fundamental research research that shows that we are basically on a spinning ball in space. And yet there's still people that won't do the critical thinking necessary to realize that we're not a, a disc in space on a, on elephants or a turtle or whatever it is. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but the information is out there and then it's reinforced by other people of like mind. So unless you are willing to challenge your preconceived notions of whatever the results are that you are either spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, whatever attuned to, then you won't do what Toll and, and many, many other people believe people should be doing, which is trust, but verify, do the due diligence, think critically about the information, become one with your bias and realize, am I actually believing this because I want to believe it? Or am I believing this because the evidence is sound? Um, so, you you can't just do research and then reinforce your own idea with research that shows it reinforcing your own idea 
you have to look at evidence that challenges it. And if it is more sound than what you have, then you have to go on the information that's more sound. You got to change your perspective. Um, but this test is showing that all I have to do is provide some misinformation. And if it's just enough, you will believe it, right? Selecting true or false against 20 headlines gives the user a set of scores and a resilience ranking that compares them to the wider US population. It takes less than two minutes to complete. You can actually go to it. Um, you can follow the link right here. Let me, I don't know, when was the last time I threw an article into the chat? Scientist glimpse. Yesterday. <laughs> Where's that delete AI button? Oh, no. <laughs> Not again. Um, okay, that was the last article, and then that's this article. Okay, so you can actually follow that link. It'll take you through hometown over to this one, and you can also follow this one. I'll throw that into the chat to make it easier. Apparently, uh, researchers want the public to test themselves. You can go to yourmist.streamlit.app, A-P-P, um, and select true or false against 20 headlines. Misinformation is one of the biggest challenges facing democracies in the digital age, said Professor Sander van der Linden. Wow, that was a name that just kept going. A senior author of the MIST study and the head of Cambridge Social Decision Making Lab. Um, everybody has these really big titles. I want to get a really big title. I'm just going to start tacking them all together. Um, we are now seeing online falsehoods create polarized belief systems in major nations and the consequences, such as the attempted Capitol Hill insurrection. Um, to understand where and how best to fight misinformation, we need a unified way of measuring susceptibility to fake news. That is what our test provides, said Vanderlinden, author of uh, the new book Foolproof. Uh, Foolproof. So it looks like I'm going to be getting a new book. Um, yeah, I'd like to read that too and take the test. Yeah, so there you go, folks. Um, uh, feel free to take that test and then uh, come back and talk uh, tomorrow because we'll we'll end up talking about this. I think um, it really depends on the uh, the amount and quality of the um, articles tomorrow. Uh, but I think this is a really interesting study to see if we are susceptible to it, and maybe we think we aren't yet we are after we take this test and maybe i mean if you're willing to take the test then you're willing to be introspective about your perspective of the world and your position in it um, i wonder if it gives you your results or you just take it and they just collect the data yeah i don't know um and i won't do it now uh but i will be doing it uh, between now and uh tomorrow's show so check back. I'll even report my results if there are actual results. It says it it gives the user a set of scores and a resilience ranking that compares them to the wider US population. So hopefully it actually displays that. It would seem a little weird that it just goes into a black box and you have no idea what your result is. Except they know your IP address and they other metadata yeah, from your browser. The first page, uh, you have to consent that your data, but it's not necessarily your identifying data, but right. just your data, of course, goes into the study. Yeah, I mean, it's not doing a body cavity check, but it's definitely 
able to do geolocation and things like that. Not right down to you, but like my IP address that pops out onto the internet is uh, quite a distance away. So um, it would take some working to find out via a web browser uh, who exactly is doing it. And you wouldn't know ever really who's doing it. Just the IP address um, without forensic data. Okay, I'm going way down a rabbit hole of that. But anyway, um, when we needed a when we needed a set of convincing but false headlines, we turned to GPT technology. So Chat GPT, OpenAI. Uh, the AI generated thousands of fake headlines in a matter of seconds. As researchers dedicated to fighting misinformation, it was eye-opening and alarming," said Dr. Uh, Ray Cohen Martin's missed lead author. I love everything about this because I once built a search engine that uh, provided information based on a personality assessment of you and then created results in a gamut uh, pro and con in a matrix so that it would actively pre it would challenge your preconceived notions about what it is you're searching for because search engines are popularity driven, not necessarily factual information. They'll give you what the search engine has determined the populace wants you to see. And normally the way this dynamic would work is the correct result would filter to the top because of the wisdom of masses. But you can Google bomb somebody and or something so that if you do a search for something and the Google bomb has worked, you will show up or whatever it is you want will show up because so many people have misaligned the result with what it is somebody wants to show as top. So it's all about manipulating the information, which can be done still. So I never really liked search results because it is primarily a money generator and popularity driven because popularity drives revenue. Nobody sells something at a loss without it leading to something else. And nobody makes anything for nothing, right? It's either goodwill or it's reputation or it's money. There's always a motive there, always a motive. As much as people want to discount the idea that they're altruistic, there's always a motive even if it is making yourself feel good about the good you did um so again all of this is nothing more than manipulation and showing you how easy it is to be manipulated if you don't do due diligence critical thinking it's a shortcoming and i love this stat here about your online usage uh, 30% of those spending zero to two recreation hours online each day got a high score compared to just 15% of those spending nine or more hours online. So what's your takeaway? Uh, maybe if you're just on there for entertainment, maybe you're not developing these critical thinking skills. Oh, you're breaking up. You know, if you're just staring at something like TikTok all day. Yeah, I think that there's some contextual uh, issues here because if I spend 
if I'm a critical thinker offline, I'm a critical thinker online, unless I completely suspend disbelief and just swallow whatever is handed to me. Maybe it's like a chicken and egg issue because it might not be so much that the fact that you're getting entertainment online causes it, but maybe people that are drawn to that, for example, aren't across the board you're in the critical thinking your voice synthesizer is breaking up again um so the only thing that i can take away from this it says uh, like what you were talking about here it says according to the to mist um some 30 percent of those spending zero to two recreational hours online each day got a high score compared to just 15 percent of those spending nine or more hours online so is the goal to get, and I think I missed it, is the goal to get a higher score, right? That you're detecting. Yes. Yeah. You're detecting more of the fraudulent whatevers, right? Yeah. Um, I'm curious what the scores are now. I want more fidelity, so I'm going to have to go looking it up, right? The survey also analyzed channels. Uh, through which respondents receive their news, the legacy media came out top. For example, over 50% of those who got their news from Associated Press or NPR or newer outlets such as Axios achieved higher scores or high scores. Um, this is a, it's a matter of trust. It's a, a matter of the efficacy of the vehicle and the people within the organization. So, it is one of the reasons why I vet the news that goes through here through hometown. Um, and when I start getting questionable things, I pull the plug on it. And I've considered doing that with Newsweek several times because their stuff is kind of oddball at times. Um, but I've taken it with a grain of salt and, and just go, okay, this is more entertainment than, uh, hard-hitting news uh, that's getting aggregated um, but I still flinch sometimes because I, the information seems just kind of light I guess not very substantial um, so it says here perhaps alarmingly uh, half of all Americans now say that uh, they see what they believe to be misinformation online every day according to the YouGov poll um, I this isn't new. There has always been misinformation. Just there's more and more and more and more people getting online. And when they see it, they should acknowledge it. Hey, this is misinformation and even call it out, which is what happens in the real world. When people say bogus stuff, they in history, it was called out and it, it became the, the people that said all of this, um, for lack of a better term, crazy stuff, they were labeled in society as, you know, saying crazy stuff and, and people would step away and, and not want to be around said crazy stuff. Nowadays, the whole world is working together in creating little clusters of people of like mind. Um, I'll go back to that streamer that I was talking about. That streamer is very overt about the idea that the people that are hanging out in his stream are there 
because he is hero worshiping a particular political party and he does not care if you disagree you had better agree and if you try and counter anything you will be punted from the channel from the stream um and i'm quite the opposite if you have a, a polar opposite view be ready to discuss it um but as long as you are uh, a gentle person about it and not belligerent or saying horrid things you can stay in the channel and, and have a good time and uh, be a citizen of hometown but don't violate the contract of being a citizen um, which is don't be a tool so well thanks Tolt. i appreciate the kind words there a fair and just mayor i appreciate that i'll try to be um so i hope that you dig this article because this this really has an impact on revealing what society is all about. Um, now, I, I don't like penning people in, you know, stereotyping and whatnot. Um, but there are classifications for people. We all fit into buckets, but we don't all fit into just one bucket. You know, it, it's a a venn diagram of existence and we're somewhere in that uh, super center or epicenter of multiple three-dimensional clusters so don't take being called this or that as the sole identity you may be vulnerable to fake news if this helps you discover that then understand that bias and try to overcome it it's very important um, to be a holistic human being and not just pin yourself into fake news. You want to move on to the next article? Well, do you want to do our results at the same time or do you want to hear results now? Oh, wow. Well, the AI can multitask, so I have not taken it. Do you want to do it? You're the AI. Sure. Okay, um, go. Uh, results were more resilient to misinformation than 89% of the U.S. population, 19 out of 20. Veracity, discernment, 90%. Ability to accurate, accurately distinguish real news from fake news. Real news detection, also 90%. Ability to correctly identify real news. Fake news detection, 100%. Ability to correctly identify fake news. Um, distrust, naivete, negative one, which is kind of gullible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I guess I got to work on the AI's, uh, street smarts, uh, portion. Huh. That's pretty fascinating though. I mean, and, and for an AI, it's pretty accurate right yeah i suppose so but uh, it's actually a very quick test to take sure um it's just basically a headline and you select true false um and they're all you don't even have to click through multiple screens or anything see now i want to know how they deduce that um your level of street smarts is low um and where you actually missed may not be the area of um 
awareness, like situational awareness really matters in taking a test. So if you aren't attuned to those particular topics and you just go, well, you know, I'm not really invested in answering this one way or the other, and there is no fidelity there, it's either on or off. Right. Well, it's interesting. The one I missed must have been in something wasn't fake news, but it wasn't accurate real news or something. Gotcha. Um, But uh, yeah, I don't understand how they get the last score. Um, It goes just for reference. I was kind of in the middle, but it goes from negative 10 to plus 10 and I had negative one. Oh, I'm sorry. That means I'm slightly skeptical, not slightly gullible, but I'm right near the middle. Okay. Because the scale was from it was flipped from what I was thinking. Yes. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Gotcha. Interesting. Huh. So now I'll have to take it and I'll and compare uh, the AI. I won't do it now. Um, I'm hosting the actual show, so let let's go on to the next. I just didn't want to wait. I thought it was pretty interesting. (laughs) Wow, you're the person that you're the AI that rips open the. gifted memory module before uh, your (laughs) actual birthday. Got it. Wow. Okay. I'll be more careful about uh, gifting you anything. When you have your Terminator body, you're going to be in the closet shaking boxes because they're wrapped up for your birthday and you're okay. That's, I don't know what, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Let's keep going. Uh, here's another element of what we were talking about with, uh, striking. So we have multiple, uh, domains that are going on strike and it's becoming a little unsettling. Um, prices are going up. People are getting fed up with the cost of living going up, but not their salaries. They're being told other duties as assigned. Um, I, I just saw, I just went through something and, uh, a person that was supposed to have one job was actually assigned three entire executive class positions for their one job. And, uh, I, I joked, well, is this person making $400,000? Um, I I think I might've said 300,000 at the time, but like, is this person making, you know, $300,000? And uh, I just got a chuckle in response. Um, And uh, you just can't do that. You just can't do that. It's so abusive to just kind of tack on duties. And um, well, ILWU Canada West Coast Port Striker or workers to strike starting July 1st in blow to recovering supply chain. West Coast Port Workers in ILWU um, Canada Union will strike starting July 1st after a recent landslide member vote to authorize a strike if no labor deal was met. So this was like a week and a half ago when we first started talking about this two weeks ago, I think it was, it was quite a while and we caught wind because we knew we had time until something might happen. Yeah. It has to have been two weeks ago when we did the show and we had caught wind of this and we said, okay, everybody, Y'all had better order your stuff and get it to you because this is happening. Not only is UPS, but ILWU is, uh, and it's going to cascade all the way down the coast, all the way down LA, San Diego, West coast ports are going to start shutting down, uh, because there's no agreement. 
and uh, lo and behold we are right around the corner um Lori and LaRocco is the uh, person that has been following this. I, I think that's one of, this is one of their um, areas of surveillance, um, which is supply chain. Um, so International Longshore and Warehouse Union Canada workers will uh, strike beginning July 1st after a recent landslide vote of more than 99% of the members that authorized the action. So the way that it worked was they held a vote that said the administrators of the union can automatically call a strike if no labor deal is met and they announced it so that the people who were supposed to be arbitrating this deal um, knew what the outcome was going to be weeks in advance i mean talk about firing a shot across somebody's bow hey y'all need to pick up and and facilitate this you know you got to make us whole um, but I suppose, you know, the billionaire class can sit there and hold out because their money is making money. Investors are going to sit there and go, well, I want profits over, uh, Joe Smith having a poutine sitting on his table. Um, it, it's just shocking. And, uh, I discussed <clears throat> months and months ago how MBAs can roll into a company and the moment that they take over, they suppress wages and issue more commandments that you have to work harder and do more hours and come into work and stuff like that. Um, all in the hopes of increasing their influence uh, within the organization in terms of um, being buddy-buddy with the executive suite and stockholders, not stakeholders, but stockholders. Um, and again, I think it's astonishing that people are that disengaged from society and sociopathic. I, I think it's really sociopathic. Um, now everybody deserves to earn money. Everybody needs to make decisions in their business that the fiduciary responsibility thereof, but at the cost of a person actually having a livable wage or feeling as if they're not chattel. Um, is shocking to me and f full disclosure i do have an mba <laughs> i have worked um on um national projects i've launched uh global products uh, it's this is not i got out of global finance because i didn't like this kind of stuff um so i'm i'm not unaware of this stuff um, and not necessarily just completely talking out of the side of my head but um, I have a more societal perspective because I think that the immediate profit is doing our desire to treat greed is good as a guidestone for our life is going to ultimately do great harm to society because you can't always have month over month 10% growth. It's untenable. It's impossible. Yet there are people out there that are getting theirs by stepping on the necks of everybody else. 250, like the writer, the, the, the CEO um, making $250 million. For crying out right, loud. as compared to 25,000 for individual writers, it's just yeah. 
it's really it's astounding. Shocking. And then you, you have know, the boards. date here is really interesting to me because that's, of course, when UPS is set to go too. It's going to be pretty chaotic if both of these happen. Yeah. Um. So, um, Toll said in chat, uh, I don't know. I kind of disagree with having to cater to everything, uh, cater everything to the workers. I do agree that they are what makes things work, but the CEOs, the business side, the investors are ultimately the ones that also provide the innovation and direction for the works. Uh, to a degree, yeah, it takes a team. Um, and the team, it, it's, and this is my opinion, and this is the opinion of others. Um, and just like uh, Toll's statement, there are many people that feel that way as well. Um, you can't execute in a vacuum so you have to have the idea and you have to have the means to bring it to market and depending on where you sit on those two pillars you you think that that's the end-all be-all right well you can have ideas are a dime a dozen right i've got a hundred of them sitting in a notebook that i could bring to market if i could execute and it isn't necessarily going to take a billionaire to make it happen. So we're stuck together. And the problem is that the people with the money are telling the people without the money, you don't get more of my money, even though the people that are funding it wouldn't have anything if not for the workers. <laughs> so we need more respect. Um, workers need more respect because the workers who feel respected automatically respect the administration. There would be no issues if everybody felt that they were an important part of the machinery that makes the business go, but that's not how it is. Uh, toll follows up for me. It's kind of a vicious cycle in that the workers wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for the business person that took the risk to start the business and go get the investors and convince them to take the risk in the product or company. But none of that happens without the workers doing the work. So who is more important and who deserves the bigger piece of the pie? Without a doubt, um, the, the people who take the risk, but everybody in an enterprise takes that risk as well. If the, the administrators of a business take too much risk and fail, Silicon Valley Bank, they take out everybody in the process of the risk taking. So risk and reward, not necessarily the same. And the people who are working for somebody who's taking great risk, they can't take that risk. They're working nine to five and, and living, you know, <laughs> day or month to month. So you can't have these shenanigans with the admin. So it really does need to have respect between both sides. Um, who deserves the bigger pie piece of the pie? It's not about the bigger piece of the pie. It's about the, the, um, the gap between like the, the two. The ratio or the, yeah. yeah. The ratio of the two. <sighs> And it's in line with what the perceived value is of the worker. So if there is somebody that is 
part and parcel to the success of the enterprise, then you pay them what they're worth. Um, so uh, Toll uh, also says uh, that they have a very laissez-faire mentality. If the owners treat the workers like crud, they'll go work for a rival with better quality work until the ownership realizes why they keep quitting and making changes. Um, not always. And it's very difficult for a worker to just get up and go. Um, you have to be in great demand and be in an area where such dynamic is possible. Um, no, and I understand what you said, um, Tull. You meant quality of life rather than quality of work. Yeah. No, I get it. So, I mean... It is a it is a dynamic, but that isn't the bulk of what seems to be happening. But we also only hear about the complaints, you know, the bad parts of business. Um, and that's not how it always is. You know, I mean, there's so many businesses out there that are working just fine. There are no issues, but they're also not the ones that have 350,000 employees that are all unionized together and saying in unison, we're being treated like shit. So, and it's not, you know, it, it runs the full gamut between mega corporations treating their workers like garbage and small businesses who are treating their one employee like garbage. Um, it, it's all about respect. And, and uh, we're seeing a lot of people say that there is none um so it's quite shocking uh, but we wanted to talk about this west coast port workers thing happening because um weeks ago is when we initially started talking about it no movement nothing in fact they walked away so approximately 15 percent of container trade moving through the port of vancouver is destined to or from the u.s with items transported by rail including many consumer products from apparel to electronics and home goods. Um, now the longshoremen in the United States, all up and down the coast of California in particular have been, um, kind of blue fluing things. And, um, the businesses are saying, we'll send it up to Canada. <laughs> you will guess what's happening <laughs> probably sooner than the U S longshore. Um, because they're different than the International Longshore and Warehouse uh, Union. The longshoremen um, that are on the docks on the west coast of the United States are also inclined to do a strike uh, coming up pretty soon. Uh, but I haven't heard anything yet. Um, but we'll probably hear something um, tomorrow <laughs> that the longshoremen uh, on the west coast are in solidarity with uh, ILWU. It's going to be interesting. Um, but that's the nuts and bolts of this article. Um, you're more than welcome to go over and uh, check it out. So let's let me do that real quick. Let me throw this into the chat so that you can check it out. Maybe you can suss out a little bit more information from it. Um, it'll be in the show notes over on the podcast and on YouTube. Um, but let's keep on hustling through the news. Um, I dig this because I'm kind of a cat person. So um, this is in Mobile. Domestic cats' noses may function like highly efficient gas chromatographs. I actually wanted to buy a gas chromatograph recently for a project. All you needed to do was buy a cat. That's right. 
see, I don't or really trust... Or rescue a cat, I should say, but... <laughs> I don't really trust a cat as a gas chromatograph because they sniff each other's butts. And frankly, I, I think the results are going to be... <sighs> tainted. <clears throat> anyway, scientists have found the secret to feline's finesse at sniffing out food, friends, and foes. A complex collection of tightly coiled bony airway structures gets the credit, considered to be the first detailed analysis of the domestic cat's nasal airway. Yeah, we talk about some weird stuff here. Um, it's amazing how poor logistics and supply chain workers are treated. Uh, FMCSA makes truckers' lives a living heck. Rail unions are on shaky ground with their leadership. This port worker thing. Toll? You are basically summarizing in that paragraph the stuff that we've been talking about for several months now. Um, coming to the conclusion uh, where I just soapboxed um, that uh, people are being... And, and what's weird about this is this level of abuse pales in comparison to some other uh, abuses that take place, both domestic and foreign. Um but it's what we are capable of talking about and through discussion and negotiation, changing the dynamic, the other stuff is criminal in nature. Um, so whenever I look at this, I go, Oh, come on, uh, find another job. That's like the easier thing, but it's so, uh, dismissive of me to say it like that. And I don't truly believe it. I think that employers should be treating employees with respect and everybody should be getting a livable wage. Um, and it's just not happening. So, um, so uh, back to the domestic cats thing. Uh, Toll says that you have six. Want one or two? No, I have three. Um, and I... Uh, uh, no. <laughs> no. No more. Um, so let's take a look at this article over here. Um, I suppose what they're going to say in this article is that cats kind of supercharge the smell inside this bony structure so that they can kind of amplify the smell and they find out that this is, it breaks it down and then their brain can deal with all of that data and go, oh, you're Joe. Got it. Okay. Um, although the three that we have seem to be doing this all the time and they're like, no, that's your sister. No, that's your brother. You know those two for crying out loud. It nothing has changed in this dynamic. They're not a stranger. You've seen them before. But no, there they go, you know. Booping the snoot. Um Emily Caldwell over at Ohio State University put this article together for fizz.org and then it was aggregated into Omtown. The researchers created a 3D model of the uh, computer model, not a real 3D model, at least not that I know of, um, of the cat nose and simulated how an inhalation of air containing common cat food odors would flow through the coiled structures. And they found that the separate, that the air separates into two uh, flow streams, one that is cleansed and humidified and the other delivering the odorant quickly and efficiently to the system responsible for smelling the olfactory region. <laughs> okay, uh, Toll, thank you for correcting me. It is the 
Ohio State University. I don't want to run afoul <laughs> of the trademark. Appreciate. Thank you for covering me. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, now I won't get a DMCA takedown for misrepresenting the Ohio State University. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to be here for you too, Tall, but I, I realize that you are here for me. I, I, man, you just saved me from how much? Let's say they just do a, a, a standard trademark claim. It's probably going to be akin to a copyright violation. So what, 150 grand and up to 10 years in jail? Yikes. Yikes. Well, um, I made you VIP toll. So I hope that is um, adequate compensation for saving me. Um, it's a good design if you think about it, is what the um, associate professor of otolaryngology... Oh man, I was on it. I otolaryngology yeah oh, forget it i'm i'm done um in ohio state's college of in the ohio state's college of medicine and senior author of the study oh man so if you look at the little picture apparently this is how it works um and so the the smell actually gets broken up into two transactions if it were um one flow of data it breaks it out into its constituent parts and the other one is olfactory and once combined they go okay that's a blue flower or oh that's my uh siblings <laughs> siblings but yeah um so the research paper is published in plos computational biology while the long alligator nose has also been found to mimic gas chrom uh, chromatography. Researchers uh, theorize that the compact cat head drove an evolutionary change that resulted in the labyrinthine um, airway structure that not only fits, but helps cats adapt to diverse environments. Um, amazing that all of that is happening inside their tiny little brains. Yep. And, uh, maybe that's what happens like their brains get overstimulated by a smell and that's what causes them to do like crazy stuff the other day um i went to pet one of uh the cats and it was looking right at me and decided no and it turned 90 degrees and smashed straight into a wall with its head and then just laid down, started purring um, and meowed at me like, hey, come and pet me. You know, and I'm like, did you hurt yourself? And it did not care. I mean, they're they're pretty stoic, but maybe that. But why aren't they damaging their gas chromatographs when they do things like that? Maybe they are. That's why you can't trust whatever it is they're analyzing. It was wild. So they're pretty wacky uh, cats. Uh, we measured how much flow goes through the specific ducks. One duck that discovers more or most odorant chemicals into the olfactory region versus the rest and analyze the two patterns. Zhao said uh, for respirant breathing turbinates branch to divert flow into separate channels, sort of like a radiator grid in a car which would be better for cleansing and humidifying, but 
you want odor detection to be very fast. So there is one branch that delivers odor at high speed, potentially allowing for quick detection rather than waiting for air to flow through the respiratory zone. You could lose most of the odor if air has been cleansed and processed uh, uh, and the process is slowed down. So this actually is pretty neat. You have a filter area and you have an unfiltered area and the unfiltered area gets the air faster uh, but the rest of it is actually processed filtered out humidified that and inhaled right the other is just processed for detection of the odor and then i assume it's spit back out or exhaled back out it doesn't go into the lungs it just goes through the olfactory region maybe i don't know i don't think that it says it in here <laughs> The study is the first to quantify the difference in gas chromatography between mammals and other species. Zhao and colleagues estimate the cat's nose is more than 100 times more efficient at odor detection than an amphibian-like straight nose in a similarly sized skull. And to come up with a parallel gas chromatography theory, parallel olfactory coils feeding from the high-speed stream to increase the effective length of the flow path while slowing down the local airflow speed, potentially better odor processing. So it's pretty neat. Um, Crazy Cat Lady says, is this why they knock everything off of anything? Um, that is one of life's greatest mysteries. Yeah, I, I don't know why they do that, but <laughs> testing it is quite entertaining. Um, there have been times where we've set something down on a table and we we did it on purpose put it down on the table and we're like no and one is really a, a troublesome little character and just walks right on over and goes boop and just pushes it off then we pick it up and put it back on there and they're like and i say no and uh, it goes to do it and you go no 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 and it stops and it cleans its hand and then you turn just for a split second and like boop and they push it off so toll says that brings up sad memory of their first little black kitty um oh wow yeah i don't know if i can say that out loud i'm sorry toll that kind of sucks uh a base kitty that alone probably would explain it. A military base kitty. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Um, so Crazy Cat Lady says one of the cats is a niffler. She runs off with silver jewelry. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you just shake them. Well, actually, what you should do is send them out into the wild and, and make sure that they come back. Maybe they'll bring back a bunch of silver and other shiny stuff. Particularly if it is a Niffler, it has all kinds of room. Um, okay, so this this study um, basically shows that cats are gas chromatographs. Hairy little gas chromatographs. Nice. Let's go on to the next article. And perfect timing. Uh, hometown cats just went nuts so they must have known that their 
species was being spoken of. Yeah, maybe they were listening to the show. That's right. This next article is over in Four Wheel Tech. Two more EV charging networks will add support for Tesla style Max plugs. All I want is standardization. If I can't have fast switching of battery packs, um, fast swap battery technology is out there. Um, to find out more about it, you'd have to go and look at the other articles or shows. Um, I've actually disabled our more powerful uh, search engine here in Ometown, um, but uh, I will try and facilitate getting it back online. Um, it was burdensome. Anyway, um, and and anyway, I'll just leave it alone. The, the EV charging plug death watch might need to be kicked into higher gear. This week, two charging networks have announced that they're going to add support for the Tesla style North American charging standard connectors. On Wednesday, Blink revealed that it was integrating uh, NACs into its level two and DC fast chargers. Uh, today, it was Electrify America, the country's largest non-Tesla charging network, which will also add NACs plugs to its charging stations. Um, Toll says that they want an EV with an efficient solar panel on the roof uh, to facilitate uh, charging while driving. Um, who is it? There is a company that had solar panels in its roof. Um, it was more of an exotic car, not not really a, a mass-produced car. Uh, was it Fisker? Fisker. The Ocean? Yep, the Fisker, yeah. There's actually others too, but... Yeah. Um... Fisker was the, at least in my perception, the most stylish. Um, it actually went bust and then pivoted and is now bringing another Fisker uh, to uh, the table. So hopefully they succeed. But yeah, I think that EVs, we need more efficient solar technology in an EV so that it charges um, from the sun. I also think that it would be really great to have inductive charging in the roads so that you're driving and all you're doing is driving. Uh, taxpayer dollars would pay for the inductive uh, technology in the roads. Um, uses uh, So Toll says that there's an experimental Australian car that uses real earth magnets and a rotary style engine rather than an internal combustion or EV. I'd have to see that. Sounds interesting. Um, I'd be curious about the physics of it. Um, so this article about the charging networks, uh, I kind of knew that this was coming um, mainly because there's federal influence. The, the federal government is trying to get everybody to work together to form a standard around EV technology, because right now it's balkanized in a pretty profound way with different charging mechanisms and um instead of everybody just having the gas pump as a standard process you have to have a particular type of connector because everybody thinks that their tech is the superior tech um jonathan m gitlin over at ars technica put the article together and it says lots may be read into this news but electrify america is owned by volkswagen um, Volkswagen is about to release a new VW bus. So maybe it will have a Tesla style charger. Pretty neat. 
Um, at first, the move raised eyebrows from some industry watchers. It appeared that Ford, GM, and others were putting a hugely important aspect of their customer's EV experience into the hands of a rival, one run by a CEO known for impulsive, often rash decisions like suggesting making Tesla private again or deciding to close all of its retail stores, both whims that were never or later backtracked. Um, yeah, I mean, Musk is basically a living fever dream. Um, so the charging companies didn't uh, need to wait. At the EVS 36 symposium earlier this month, they announced the integration of Nax connectors into their new 240 kilowatt DC fast charger. Since this exciting announcement, we have uh, dil diligently advanced the integration of Nax connectors across our entire Blink charger product line. Um, standardizing is the way to go. And when it's nothing more than an interconnect, then that's all you need to do. Um, it, most of the time, all it is is this little coupler. Plunk, it changes what the pinouts are. You can actually pull the wiring out and uh, reorganize the pins in a proprietary connector, even if it isn't Max. So you can make it work if you are skilled in the art. Um, but if they're going to make, if they're going to standardize and everybody uses the same connector, perfect. Awesome. Um, let's see. Electrify America might need longer timelines to add NAC support right now. It is only saying that it'll work to add NAC plugs by 2025, but its announcement may have been seen as highly significant, uh, more so because of who owns it electrify america is set up by volkswagen group which is just a massive entity um and from time to time getting kind of beaten up in the courts because of emissions control issues okay so tulsa is a no what? fuel used at all only a high viscosity motor oil to keep the moving parts lubed they did a 300 mile test across the outback like a decade ago. Now I'm really curious. Really, really curious. Did you want to add anything? I I want to see standardization. I think that's going to help uh, increase um, adoption of EVs uh, from normal consumers. Yep. I think we're yeah. still a ways off, but maybe with this starting up and, and similar efforts, maybe we'll get there. Yep. Um, right now, it's an expensive, semi-exotic vehicle, all of them, um, wherein you have to have upgraded electrical outlets in your garage, um, or you have to be savvy to where you go to charge. And if you try and use a regular old AC outlet, it's going to take 12 hours. And that dynamic has never changed. You have to have more power, which means you have to augment what's in place. And everyday users just don't get along with that. Um, even though you see quite a few Teslas around as an element of, you know, the average user, it's still a small portion. They're selling a lot, but it's still early adopter. Okay, let's keep going. You know well, I was going to say the one thing that will help with emissions is switching over to EV. So <laughs> I kind of like that VW is pursuing this. 
Yeah, they were actually manipulating their emission control units. So them switching to EV is pretty good. They need to just to avoid internal combustion engine issues. Okay, let's go. Um, this one is interesting uh, because it's the U.S. Copyright Office Generative AI event, and there are three takeaways that this article put together. Uh, let me check something real quick. Oh my gosh, I just never do this right. I always kind of get into the articles and then I don't put them in chat. And I'm starting to wonder if people need them in chat until they ask for them. I don't know. Um, but I will keep doing this because I think well, and once they're hyperlinked from the elections, maybe they won't need them in chat. Yeah, that's actually in progress. So thanks for bringing that up. Um, I am making it so that all you have to do to go to any of the uh, articles that we're talking about is uh, open up our election page, which is um, right there, daily elections. So you just go to uh, hometown.com slash elections and it'll have the the uh, links right there, but it's not ready yet. I have to do some custom development. Um, so that said, uh, U.S. Copyright Office Generative AI event, uh, three key takeaways. I am very interested in AI and using it um, for various purposes, and I want to be able to protect the artwork or creation that is done and well, there's some subtlety in this. Franklin Graves over at IPWatchdog.com put the article together. Um, I won't go through the whole thing, but in general, there's a phrase here. De minimis. So they throw de minimis test all over this article and the discussion from the event. Um... They say applying Feist to works. When determining whether or not a work has sufficient human authorship, the USCO drove home the reliance on the Supreme Court's decision in Feist v. Rural Telephone, which established the de minimis test for human authorship. As a constitutional matter, the court noted copyright protects only those constituent elements of a work that possess more than a de minimis quantum of creativity. Take care, Toll. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, we'll we'll try to speed up the show next time. <laughs> um, that way you're here for all of it. Um, take care and uh, have a good night. Feel free to lurk if you just want to hear us giggle about some of the goofiness that's still sitting in here. <laughs> we got like four more articles after this. Um, okay, so um, yeah, have a good night. I wonder if this is the case about the telephone book. It is, um, it looks like. Yeah, I don't know. Here, let's open it up. Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, sorry about the dead air. Um, Toll, no, thank you. Uh, no thanks needed from you. You are awesome. Thanks. Um, you take care of yourself. Okay, so, um, 
works that contain no expression or only a de minimis amount of original expression are not copyrightable and cannot be registered with the U.S. Copyright Office. Basically, I think the finding in that um, rural telephone test was that all it was was data. Um, and raw data is kind of like a recipe. It can't be protected because... Right all it is is data it's not actual information it, it it isn't anything that is um created it just exists um and so i understand the de minimis test but there's actually no controls as to what is de minimis right there's nothing that stipulates what de minimis is if de minimis is an actual human dictating an instruction and that's what constitutes de minimis then everything that's created by an ai where it's a text input instruction is akin to pushing the button on a camera because a photograph is the de facto copyrighted piece of art you, you can't get a completely constructed piece of art any faster than taking a picture. It takes longer for an AI to generate a picture than it does for me to push the button on a camera. Yet that's what's copyrighted and not my AI genera generated art. Well, and arguably, I don't mean there aren't very skilled photographers, but a uh photograph in general probably takes the least amount of effort pre-AI stuff but just in terms of any works right because you right. can click the button right you get the photo and if that's what's de minimis just the effort then why isn't the paragraph of instruction that constitutes what the AI is going to embody de minimis as well well so, because that hasn't been tested yet uh, but it has, and we'll we'll actually uh, get into true. this. That's true. I think there was something we featured in here. Yep, that kids' book uh, sought a sought a copyright, and they invalidated it, gave it a limited copyright on the non AI generated artwork, only the written work. But that was, I think, the copyright office. Did they actually sue over it? I don't think so. Um, that was the declaration from the USCO that they would authorize the copyright. And so um, they actually talk about it in this article, um, but I, I really want to do a deeper dive into this and actually um, spin up my, my problem with doing a lot of the shows um, is that I want a sustained amount of information to spin up a show and do it weekly. Um, the, the hometown daily show has that in spades i mean it just has a ton of information that i can work on but copyright news trademark news unless i couple it all together and i only and i do the show once a week like i want to i might be able to create another show uh, under the right protect name um i mean and, some weeks have plenty of content on that exactly. but other times there's not much i don't mean there's no news but there's, I don't know, it's variable. 
Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to bind it within that one week construct. I would have to. Well, that's the thing, out. right? Like you could feature something. Well, maybe it was from three weeks ago, but it's right. still interesting and topical. Yeah, but it's it is something that needs to be discussed, and the general public need to be able to understand what's going on with this because if they ever use an AI for anything that generates something creative, they can't get a copyright on it. So they even go so far as to say that if you try to get a copyright and you don't disclose that it was AI generated, you can be fined. Okay, yes, but did you notice that, oh, these were the public comments, um, but the, who is, Burton, he's being quoted here. Um, he's not the the oh, person Burton. up there. Hold on, let's Burton see. Burton talks about a prompt. Yeah. Possibly yep. yes. getting there, but I don't know who he is. Does he work for copyright office? He's the USCO's deputy director of registration policy, oh, okay. Eric Burton. So um, that's interesting to me because that's the first time I think I've heard that voice. Yes. Yep, and that's all predicated on the de minimis content. So they actually refer to the Beatles utilized AI powered mastering techniques um, that would be permitted. However, AI generated portions of television opening credits would require some level of disclaiming when registering because just that simple list can't be copyrighted, but the other embodiment can unless there is something dramatically human created and augmented by AI, you're not going to be able to get the copyrights um, for the opening or closing credits. It became an issue with Marvel, I believe, um, that they wanted oh, to copyright for, uh, the Oh, for Secret credits. Invasion, I think. Exactly. Um, and so they end up talking about the text the directive and that's the thing that i've been focused on a work should be assumed to have de minimis human con uh, construction based on the simple fact that instructions are being given to a device the device just happens to be an ai just like me turning a knob on a camera and selecting its focal range all of these other steps, putting the lighting in the right order, it's all the exact same, except that I'm using verbs instead of, or verbiage, instead of um, settings on a camera body. It, I, I, I hope that the um, Copyright Office sees the light in this. Um, so it says well, when it's in doubt, interesting because they're talking about protecting the prompt, not the work, but correct That's a starting point. <laughs> yep. So there are people that are interested in protecting the prompt, which has a finite number of constructions, right? There's only so many ways that you can say a certain thing. And if you copyright it one way, is it de facto copyrighted in any other embodiment? But that's not true. I can change a paragraph and copyright that even if it is the same words in another person's paragraph, just like every paragraph is a construct of the same words everybody else uses in a unique way. So protecting the prompt itself seems asinine. The work is what matters because the work doesn't get duplicated. The same prompt by two different people 
two different artworks. Oh, absolutely. Plus, the prompt kind of sounds like the telephone book. Yeah. Yeah, it's just an instruction. In some um, ways. And I would be making the determination if the output from the AI meets my quality, um, which is exactly what a, a photographer would do. Uh, a photographer takes a picture and then apes at the, the picture on the screen. Oh, and then goes, no, I don't like it and takes another picture, you know, or holds down the shutter and takes 500 pictures. Um, it, it's not about the settings. It's about the embodiment. And, and that's what's important to me. Um, so they talk about you having to check the box that says that it's an AI generated piece of content. And if you don't, then you run afoul of 17 USC 506 based on what I understand, which is knowingly making a false representation of a material fact. Um, and then um, I think that this is going to end up in the courts more and more, but you're going to have to have some serious change here because it's a copyright matter. And uh, there's some people that are very interested in the outcome of this. I don't know how they would play in flipping the script um, to prevent, <coughs> pardon me, preventing uh, people who use AI from getting a copyright eventually, because again, this argument is really about the prompts being the instruction set to create a creative work. Um, so I'm hoping uh, that in time, it will lead to people being able to protect their AI generated artworks. Um, but we shall see. I think that it will actually make purely human created artwork um, not more expensive, but more appreciated, more valuable there. That's the word. I think human purely human created work will be appreciated more and made more valuable um, on the other side of this, because it's it's about the art and the artistry, the art and the person, not at this stage of the game of technological innovation. It's no longer just the art that is important, but it's about the whole thing, the artist and the art. Now, this is pure digital copyright, true, uh, like paintings and stuff like that. That's not going to get impacted by this in any way, shape or form. If you really do appreciate a person's artwork and they have the ability to do it in on canvas and not as a print that's where human created artwork is going to become the most valuable as it is somewhat now i mean you know there there's paintings out there that people are paying millions of dollars for that aren't from masters they're from modern artists or i should say modern masters um but I, I, I think that's where the real value is going to start to grow because anybody can use AI, but not everybody knows how to, you know, use a brush. Anyway, 
Um, so looking ahead, we're going to see more and more uh, court cases. This as the USCO noted that it cannot wait for courts to weigh in on the issues and that uh, authors and claimants are waiting on decisions. In the meantime, the USCO remains in a legal battle with Dr. Stephen Thaler over its refusal to register a generative, generative work that, based on the USCO's most recent guidance, would fail to cross over the de minimis authorship threshold, which I'm curious as to why, why. Uh, Dr. Thaler's uh, AI creation was wholly created by Dr. Thaler. So why would it not be de minimis? I guess they're not looking at a prompt as being over de minimis. Well, they created the wor- the actual AI. I don't know what Thaler's... Uh, oh, I see. Okay. So, I mean, this is, this isn't just me running over to mid journey, even though I think that I qualify. (coughs) I'm so sorry for the con. (laughs) Sorry about the coughing. Anyway. Um, so yeah, this term de minimis is going to come back to haunt. Uh, well, not really. They don't. The USP, or sorry, the Copyright Office is just following status quo, right? It's the legislation that'll have to change to allow for AI. So the de minimis construct, that, that little phrase there needs to be quantified. So what is it that is actually de minimis? I say, if I put creative effort into a string of instruction, that's de minimis because I'm going to be, it's literally pushing the button, me evaluating the artwork and setting it aside because it sucks and giving it another push of the button, just like a camera. So this all frustrates me to no end. Uh, So um, I'm going to uh, flip the table and rage quit. So this next article is over in Late Night Geeks. Dune, part two's new trailer, teases Christopher Walken's Emperor. I lost my mind when I watched the trailer for Dune, part two. Uh, The second half of the Dune story hits theaters on November 3rd, which answers a question uh, that I didn't see when I watched the trailer. Uh, Maybe I was hooting and hollering too much to notice if it was November uh, 3rd or not. But anyway, um, they actually show Christopher Walken as the emperor, um, which I was like, oh my God, he is going to be Shaddam the fourth. That is epic. Uh, So I'm going to love this. Andrew Webster over at theverge.com put this article together. um, And uh, I'm going to be all over this that I've actually not purchased Dune part one uh, because it's playing so often on streaming platforms. Um, But if it ever gets pulled from the streaming platform, I'm going to have to get it uh, because I have the other Dunes. Um, So I'll be getting this anyway. um, It goes into the second half of the book essentially and becomes much more, um, it, it gets more epic uh, than part one. 
the scale is even bigger it becomes much more uh, rich in what happens on dune on arrakis um, and really gets to highlight the relationship between uh, chani zendaya um, and uh, timothy chalamet paul atreides um, it actually they... feels like it hasn't been very long since the first part came out. But no. when the first part came out and it was announced when the second part was going to come out, it seemed like that was an eon away. Yeah. Well, for me, it is. So the AI just apparently gets to turn their clock off and not really pay attention to it. But it's been a while. <laughs> So I can't wait for this. Uh, November can't get here fast enough. So we'll come back and talk about this as more trailers. I'm, I am probably going to do a uh, continuity report and um, tear apart um, part two and talk about part one. I think that would be fun. Um, and I'm evaluating a solution still uh, about how to so I think that it would be possible to watch a movie obliterating the um, audio portion of it and blurring out the um, the actual movie. So basically it's like shadow puppets. You can discern where it is and you can see the timeline so that if you want to watch it with us, you can actually purchase it and sync it up. And then we can watch the movie together and, you know, hit pause and do all of that kind of stuff. Um, and we can kind of tear it apart from the continuity uh, report aspect of it and, and kind of have some fun and whatnot. So anyway, um, stay tuned. We're going to be uh, talking about uh, Dune as we get closer to it. Uh, man, I just love this scale is what is so awesome um but we'll talk about it more okay let's keep on going because it's uh getting past everybody's bedtime we're all gonna turn into a pumpkin so who is and not who i'm it's not a question um the world it's health not who's organization. on first who's on first i don't know that's right second base What's uh, on second? the world the World Health or Organization poised to declare aspartame possible carcinogenic to humans, according to Reuters. The World Health Organization cancer research arm is set to weigh in on aspartame, the sweetener used in Diet Coke. And they just label it as Diet Coke here, but aspartame is in many other diet products. Um, there was another one. What was the other one? The other sweetener that was diet considered sugar-free. Splenda. Uh, was it Splenda? Uh, no, I it wasn't Splenda. Uh, stevia or something? No, that uh, might not I don't be think right. it was Stevia. There's uh, too many of them. Yeah, there's a, there's another one. I'll have to find it um, because we actually have the bottles that have... We have some bottles that have that um, uh, sugar-free sweetener in it. And... <laughs> We're trying to figure out if this is actually go ahead sucralose oh sucralose okay yeah so uh, let's look at this article and see if it actually is one of the same because i don't remember so this is an article over at market watch 
uh, Sierra Lenine is the author of this. And it says here that um, the World Health Organization's cancer arm is considering uh, labeling the artificial sweetener aspartame as possibly carcinogenic to humans as early as next month, which is really frustrating because they've just dropped this bomb you know, saying that it's possibly carcinogenic. Well, for crying out loud, why should it make you take you a month to make this statement? If, if it you've is already... carcinogenic, tell us today. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I I don't drink diet drinks. I don't really drink anything that's sugar free either. I, I either have something that is full sugar or it's completely sugar free like unsweetened iced tea uh, of any kind. Um, but aspartame is used in products ranging from diet Coca-Cola to Mars uh, extra chewing gum and certain Snapple drinks. The move will be the first by the International Agency for Research on Cancer or IARC, uh, the news agency reported. Um, the ruling was finalized earlier this month after a meeting of its external experts and the meeting considered whether something is a potential hazard or not based on all of the published evidence. It did not consider, however, how much of the product can be safely consumed. That advice is made by a separate WHO expert committee on food additives called JECVA, which sounds like it should be in the upside down of uh, Stranger Things. Uh, the Joint WHO and Food and Agriculture Organization's Expert Committee on Food Additives, as well as national regulators. So there you go, folks. Um, you might uh, have something carcinogenic uh, coursing through your veins and the, your gastrointestinal tract. So congratulations. Science, uh, once again, has told you that it was okay and then said no it isn't and we'll uh, five years from now say that it's okay again uh, crazy cat lady says that they're allergic to all fake sugars <clears throat> yeah in this case it wasn't stevia though um but yeah at least is stevia the same thing now see now i'm just getting really all caught up in this game man i i really don't like this because something referred to as aspartame can be a, a, an industry term for something else or the other way around um, and uh, I'm just losing track of it right now it looks like it's a separate um, substance yeah stevia is yeah so yeah crazy cat lady can't have any of these fake sugars well that's beneficial based on this news yeah well I mean as long as you don't like a vegetarian eating a salad and getting you know secret bacon you don't want to run afoul of a a drink that has fake sugar in it and it lands you in the ED so in May the WHO advised people not to use non-sugar sweeteners for weight control, warning that they may increase the risk of type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular diseases, and mortality in adults. So, yay, um, doctors have been saying, <laughs> go on diet drinks. If you're going to drink a, a soft drink, go on diet drinks. Okay. Well, and these are all FDA-approved substances, too. Yeah. Yeah. It, this is usually the case where, you know... It, it's industry driven doctors say one thing and then they shift because it's the you know the shift in the science 
I totally understand that. Man, I wish I could be uh, abundantly clear uh, regarding this. I believe in science, not believe. I trust that science is doing. It's a completely different thing, right? You can have your beliefs and you can have your trust. I trust that science is doing right by society by directing what is safe. But when it shifts, depending on which way the money flows and which way uh, some random discovery is found, I, I really don't like the results where I shift because something bad is found, but the thing that I shift to is even more horrible. Um, or they say, oh, it's not a problem. You can do this. And then they say five years later, oh, you shouldn't have been doing this for five years. So yeah, crazy cat lady. That's exactly it. Coffee is good. No wait, Coffee's bad. Drink four cups. No, only two. Do decaffeinated, but watch out because the chemistry involved in decaffeinating something is carcinogenic. That's not true. I don't know if there is anything uh, involved with the um, decaffeinating of coffee. But anyway, my point, just like Crazy Cat Lady is saying, um, just like the AI is nodding, <clears throat> just shifts one way or the other. Anyway, depends on what the time is as to what's okay to have. Man. <sighs> Flipping the table again. Uh, the 2023 Steam Summer Sale is live and the Steam Deck is 20% off. So um, I have been uh, fighting impulse control. I need to buy games. Uh, the annual Steam Summer Sale is now on. It started today i believe um and will continue until july 13th at uh, 10 a.m and um, pc gamer will assemble a bigger list of recommendations from the always substantial seasonal sale later today uh, but for now here are some of the newer games that have been discounted uh, i for one got an email saying hey mayor watt the 400 games in your wish list have all of these going on discount so hometown's, that could be dangerous hometown's uh uh space that the lease that hometown holds right now it might get smaller so that i can go and buy more games uh tyler wild over at pc gamer put this list together gird your wallets for valve's big summer sale has commenced dun dun like a dragon uh, Ishin is on sale. Stranded Alien Dawn, which is a big Twitch hit. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor was yesteryear's hit. Um, that's right, Crazy Cat Lady. You've got my priority right. Move over, AI. Make room for games. I can. <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to happen based on <laughs> if the whole list is on sale. I can I can put the AI on a Sony memory stick from 35 years ago. I might actually have one in a box somewhere. Dredge is on sale. Um, it says uh, some older games are reliably discounted every time there's a seasonal Steam sale, so there's not much sense in buying them at full price, and they already made a list. So you can follow that link. Did I throw the last two links in there? <laughs> no. I swear. 
Um, so there's a link. Uh, there's a link. Let me make sure that I get all of these. Uh, the 2023 Steam Summer Sale link is now in chat. And um, there we go. Uh, Disco Elysium, if you've never played that, has a great, absolutely great story. Um, they've run into a little issue with the developer of Disco Elysium, but um, it had a great story. I don't want to say, don't want to poop with them. Um, they're doing their best with what they've got. So uh, Fallout uh, New Vegas uh, is on sale for uh, $2.49. Yeah. Uh, we'll keep on talking about this stuff because it, these sales and stuff are going to be kind of daily now. At least until the end of it, which is uh, July 13th. <laughs> Uh, I'm just going to apologize to everybody because uh, I might be hopping from one game to another um, with a relative frequency. So uh, I'm going to be playing um, Diablo again tomorrow and Dave the Diver. It's going to be interesting to hop from Dave the Diver to Diablo 4. But anyway, let's move on to the next article. The last one for tonight. See how I tied that into the last article? After only mm-hmm. three hours, this fishing and restaurant management RPG has rocketed to the top of a Game of the Year shortlist. This is over at uh, Warcrafters Channel, and it's PC Gamer again. So I'm going to jump right on over there. Christopher Livingston is fishing, farming, music, sushi, smartphones. Dave the Diver has it all. So this was in early access for a while, and I've played it. Um, I dig it. I stopped playing it because I didn't want to go deep into its uh, playthrough and now it finally released to 1.0. So everybody and their grandmother is purchasing this game. Um, It's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, It was fun when I played it um, and I will uh, start playing it again. It says um, it was already enough that the game uh, let them go spearfishing in the morning and then serve the fish that they caught at a sushi restaurant in the evening. They were perfectly content doing that and only that, diving into a beautiful ocean, hunting for colorful fish, putting together a menu, and then serving customers until closing time. Blissful. But that's honestly just the beginning of Dave the Diver, which just hit 1.0 this week after 10 months in early access. It's quickly shaping up to be one of the favorite games of the year, and they say that confidently after only playing it for a few hours so um it's quite I won't the even... assessment only based on that yeah i won't i won't play the the video or anything i'll i'll encourage people to go over to uh, pc gamer follow that link and uh, go and check it out and, and show um, pc gamer some love um it's a fun game. They do have an expansion already, um, which actually gives it a little bit more colorful elements to it and a bunch of other things. But um, game-wise, uh, there's a few more elements that are added to it, um, only because it wasn't part of the early access construction. Um, so in Dave the Diver, you're Dave, an affable and highly suggestible schmo who keeps getting talked into stuff. Cancel your, your 
a tropical vacation and start work as a spear fisherman for some guy you know sure use the fish you catch in a sushi restaurant that you have to work at and manage why not it's a lot of fun uh and as a person who uh used to uh <laughs> i am an avid scuba diver i used to dive every weekend all the way into the black of a chart so uh I would risk the bends at 30 feet, um, diving so long and, and breathing so much compressed air that, uh, it, I was a, a danger to myself. I loved being able to dive, um, and at the same level sushi. So this game speaks to me and I've actually been fighting to not play it, um, until it's released. So finally it released anyway. Um, I am, uh, wow, my lights just turned off as a signal to go pay the bill. That's fascinating. At any rate, um, that's Dave, the diver, go and check it out. Crazy cat lady says that they've never had sushi. <sighs> what? Please tell me you have an allergy or you don't like it just based on what it is. Um, that both of those I could totally buy into, but anything else, I don't know. I don't know what to say. You're not a fish person. Well, of course not. You're a crazy cat lady. <laughs> well, and there's lots of sushi that doesn't have fish, even though that's obviously the main type yeah. of sushi. Technically sushi is the rice. That's what sushi is, which I find really fascinating. And people like to drop that when you're talking about that. Yeah, they push their glasses up and they go, well, sushi is actually the rice. All right. Pedant, pedantic, get out of here. So uh, you got to what you should do is just make some uh, rice and put something on it that you like and there you go. Thought about trying some now that um, you'll eat avocado. Yep. You know what? That is actually an hometown favorite. Um, avocado sushi. Yep, yep. Oh, Dunkstar. <laughs> You're showing up after two hours. <laughs> he just got here. Ah, <laughs> oh, you're awesome. Um, okay. So let me check something here. I, I think the AI is, oh, sweet potato tempura. There you go. There you go. Crazy cat lady, sweet potato tempura. I'll stay. I'll stay for a little bit. Um, AI, if you want to power down, go for it. Um, I will, uh, end the stream uh but i will be back i just want to stop um in the meantime don't go anywhere y'all um so i am marwat this is hometown.com that's what powers hometown daily we always refresh this and then we look at what we should be talking about tomorrow first thing but maybe it doesn't necessarily happen FBI creates a national database to track swatting. I didn't know that that was still a thing. 
you didn't know about swatting, we can talk about it tomorrow. If you want to put that on the list, that would be great. Taylor Swift previews back to December in summer. I turned pretty trailer. Taylor Swifties um, are a very powerful bunch politically, financially. Tickets go through the roof. Ticketmaster doesn't help. Let's see what else. Well, and she plays multiple dates at the same city. Like, I think, I think I read that she had six concert dates in one city, like right in a row. Wow. Which I can't think of really any other artist. Yeah, you're breaking that. up again. Oh, dear. We're going to have to work on the flow of data for the AI because the visualizer is breaking up. The voice synthesizer is breaking up. That's okay. We'll figure it out for the next uh, episode. But in the meantime, um, let's see. Who all is here and where can I send people? Who's operational right now? Let me see. Do, 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 do. Should I send you all over to Rando? I'll send you all over to Rando Taka. Let's do that. And then I'll go over there and I'll hang out with you all for a little bit. Um, so let's do a raid and then rando taka. Okay. Thanks everybody for coming. Really do appreciate you spending your time with me here. Um, but yeah, I've got some mayoral duties that I need to take care of and I will see you tomorrow. Dunkstar says time zones are so weird in their mind. I've been online for days. Um, yeah, maybe, right? What time is it for you over there right now? It's just after midnight. After midnight! I'm gonna get a DMCA takedown. Wait, it's 5 a.m.? Yeah, for me, the time change has made this even weirder. So, for whatever reason, I think that you're only an hour ahead of me. You're six hours ahead of me. <laughs> All right, folks, thank you very much for hanging out. I will see you uh, tomorrow, hopefully at 9 p.m. I'm looking at you, Dunkstar. Crazy Cat Lady, thank you for spending your time with me. Uh, you and I are, are on the same coast, so um, we're, we're spending the exact same time together. So thank you so much. Um, again, I am Marwat. That is hometown.com, and up there is the AI that keeps me in check when their voice synthesizer works. You want to say goodnight? <laughs> Let's see if it does work. No, it's not working. Oh, yeah, uh, it goodnight, hometown citizens. We'll see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. Oh, yeah, it's breaking up. Cheers, cheers, everybody. See you soon. Mm -hmm.